today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Sometimes it is those that are seeking, just wondering, wow, what is it about you that that gives you that hope, that gives you that assurance? And that's an easy one to then be able to say, you know what, my faith, my hope, my trust is in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because I know from his word his promises are true and I can stand on it. Sometimes when a friendly asks you those questions, it's easy to respond. But what happens when it's a non-friendly? What happens when it's an antagonist that comes against you and says, why do you live the way that you live? Why don't you live like the rest of us? Why are you fighting against everything? Are you still ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you? The Bible says that we are to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In today's message, Pastor David acknowledges that it is much easier to relay the salvation message to a friendly face. However, we are called to spread the good news of the gospel to everyone, even those who are openly hostile to the things of God. Sometimes this means we will bear persecution. However, we have to continue to speak the truth knowing that God is with us and empowering us to do so. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Persecuted for Christ, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. For me, the issue had been settled. The Lord had called me to reach out to my people, and I had to. So rather they were killing me, I will still love them with the love of God. I do not see them as my enemies because they killed my son. I've forgiven them because they do not have Christ, and that's all they can think at this level. These are the words of a pastor in northern Nigeria whose son was murdered by a militant Muslim group by the name of Boko Haram. The pastor had received multiple threats from this group uh, for quite a period of time because of his Christian faith and because of the ministry that he had in that area. One day while his son was out walking, this militant group attacked his son and cut him to pieces with their machetes. We began looking today at kind of a very serious portion of what Peter writes to the church. He's writing to a church, as we've shared through this time in First Peter, a church that's under persecution, under a persecution that I dare say that the vast majority of us, uh, say if, if any of us, have ever really and truly experienced the type of persecution that the church was under there. He writes to them these words in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. He says, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 
If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. To me, verse 12 kind of begins a a new section of what Peter is writing. It's in these verses here that that Peter begins his final, his his closing thoughts in in the book of 1 Peter. And we know that it was like in the middle of chapter 3 where Peter wrote, and and finally. And then he goes on for another chapter or two and a a half as he finishes the book. But here we kind of see again, he he had finished earlier in in verse 11 with kind of a doxology. He wrote in verse 11 those words that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he comes about and begins speaking about this area of persecution that the church was already going through. They were already experiencing it. Some lives of already been taken because they dared stand for the truth of the gospel. Some had already been in prison. Some had already lost houses and and lands. And the divisions had already been made between families and, and friends and lifetime community because of the gospel, because people would dare stand for the truth of Jesus Christ and the hope of the gospel. Peter had alluded to this kind of persecution all through this book, and as you've studied it together with us here, we saw back in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, where Peter says, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, and then he goes on to speak, A little bit later, he speaks about our need as believers to be prepared for that battle. Still in chapter 1, but in verse 13, if you'll remember, he spoke about the fact that we need to gird up the loins of our minds. We need to be sober. We need to rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the midst of this, he tells us even while under persecution, while the pressure of all of these trials coming against us for our faith, he speaks to us of how we, you and I as believers and those that are under that kind of severe persecution, how we need to be living our lives. In chapter 2, verse 12, he writes these things. He says that you need to have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or among the non-believers, that when they speak about you or against you as evildoers, They may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. He encourages them as they've been under this trial, under this persecution, to remain strong, but not only to remain strong, but to remain bold in their witness for Christ. In chapter 3 and verses 14 through 17, 
He speaks to them and he says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. A little bit later, he says, don't be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. He tells them to sanctify the Lord God in their hearts. He says, we all need to be always ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. And I, I need to, again, reiterate the fact that that's not always a friendly that's asking those questions. Sometimes it is those that are seeking, just wondering, wow, what is it about you that, that gives you that hope, that gives you that assurance? And that's an easy one to then be able to say, you know what? My faith, my hope, my trust is in Jesus Christ, is my Lord and Savior, because I know from his word his promises are true and I can stand on it. Sometimes when a friendly asks you those questions, it's easy to respond. But what happens when it's a non-friendly? What happens when it's an antagonist that comes against you and says, why do you live the way that you live? Why don't you live like the rest of us? Why are you fighting against everything? Are you still ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you? That's what Peter is writing to the church under persecution. And he tells them there, for it's better if it's the will of God for you to suffer in doing good than for doing evil. Now here he is in chapter four, verses 12, or beginning in verse 12 and 12 and 13. He tells them in essence, don't be surprised when persecution happens. Don't be surprised. We live in a nation of great freedom right now. And again, thanks and glory be to God, but also even as we shared earlier, to those of you that have served in, in the armed forces. Again, the, the protections, the, the, the strength that we have as, as a nation, God has worked in so many ways because of that. We live in a nation with these relative freedoms that allow us to be able to meet here without any threat of someone bursting through the doors with, with automatic weapons and uh, either causing the, the, the gunfire and, and, and the life and the, and the execution of so many or, or threatening us because of our jobs or our homes because we dare name the name of Christ. We live in that freedom today, today. Should the Lord tarry? Could it change? Uh, I, you, you need to understand that, yes, it could. And if you live with the naivety of saying, oh, no, we live in the United States of America, that would never happen to us. You don't have to go back too many generations to find out what happened to Germany when Germany, that was the birthplace of so many great theologians and the strength and the hope of the gospel, when, when the Nazi party rose in power, and again, the, the pressure was put not only on the Jews, but on the true Christians. You don't have to go too far to understand that in China, the, again, the, the gospel was strong and powerful in China for years and years and years until the Communist Party took over China and again squelched the churches in that area. So this isn't a message just for those that are in third world countries right now. This isn't a message for those that are way over on the other side of the world. This is a message for all of us to always be ready and not be surprised when persecution comes. Peter tells them there in verse 12, he says, Beloved, don't think that it's strange concerning this fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Peter understands what persecution is all about, not just intellectually. He understands what it's all about 
experientially also. He's been there. He's been in prison. He's been beaten. He was even scheduled for an execution. And yet the Lord delivered him from that. Although later, not too many years after he wrote this book to the church, he himself was executed. Peter knows what persecution is all about. We read in those first opening chapters of Acts all the, all the impact of, of, of the persecution against Peter. As a matter of fact, we look at this, and when Peter writes here, again, don't, don't think that it's strange concerning this fiery trial that's, that's about to come against you. We can look all through Scripture, and we understand that this fiery trial isn't just about the Christians who at that time were being uh, uh, impaled and, and set on fire. But this deals also, I believe, with, a, with another type of fiery trial that we see all through Scripture. Proverbs 27, 21 speaks about a fire that you and I, if we're going to be used by the Lord, that we all will need to go through that fire. Proverbs 27, 21 says that the refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold. Now, it's kind of interesting when I, when I read that, and again, that, that clarity came that the refining pot we think, well, yeah, that's for burning off the dross and the impurities. But the refining pot isn't for the impurities. It's for the silver, to purify the silver in the same way the furnace is there to purify the gold. And here may be a flash for you as a believer. If you really desire to walk faithful in the Lord, to serve the Lord, to commit your life wholeheartedly for the Lord, you will go through that refining process. You'll go through that refining pot, that furnace. Why? Because God doesn't love you? No, because he loves you so greatly. He wants to, be you, he wants to use you greatly in service for him. And when we carry around all the luggage and the garbage and the pollution of the world, in order to be used completely for him, that refining process needs to happen. Psalms 66, verse 10 through 12 says, For you, O God, you have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. It was you who brought us into the net. It was you, God, who laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. And you see, that's, that's not necessarily a concept that's, that's being proclaimed to the body of Christ today. It says God is going to bring you through the crucible of trials in order to purify you, in order to, again, make you fully and wholly usable for his kingdom. That's not something we shout up and say amen about, is it? Particularly when we know that that refining process can be a painful process. Zechariah 13.9 states, and this is God speaking through Zechariah. God says, I will bring one third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined. I will test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them and I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. That's what that refining process does. It gets our attention correctly. It gets our focus refined. In Malachi, 
Again, the prophet declared, the Lord declares through the prophet, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. Okay, I share a little bit of my age here at this point in time. I can remember when I was a very, very small child living uh, actually at my grandmother's house. And there were times, sometimes of, of the, the, the bathing time, okay? And I can remember having a washcloth that was scrubbed onto me, trying to take three or four layers of skin off of me, okay? It was, and, and whenever I read about that, about the launderer's soap or that fuller soap, I, I think of my grandmother. I, I don't know if she was trying to get the dirt out or the sin out, uh, or maybe both, but that, that refining, that rubbing, that scrubbing. God wants to do that in our lives. He wants to purify us. He says he'll sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and he will purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering that is righteous. You see, if we're still carrying around the pollution of the world, if we're still carrying around all the dross and the things, again, that, that again, are, are totally unusable by the Lord and actually become an affront to the Lord and to his righteousness, then we're not going to be able to offer up an offering of righteousness. And that's why God desires to purify us. That's why he wants to refine us as his people. Our God is a refiner's fire. And all for the purpose of refining and purifying, purging his own. And you know what? He either allows, God either allows or he brings directly that refining fire into our lives. As Peter says here, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding glory. That gladness, that joy that comes in our lives when we know for certain that the glory of the Lord is shining through us, that our lives are 100% revealing Jesus to a dark and dying world. That cannot be compared to anything. That's why Peter says here in verse 14, he says, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. We often hear the statement that says, if you're not under a trial as a Christian, if you're not under persecution for your faith, maybe your faith isn't shining bright enough. Maybe your life isn't shining full enough for the gospel. One of the things we have to be certain of, though, we have to be certain that the reproach that we have that comes against us, that, that trial that comes against us, we need to be certain that it's because of our obedience to Christ and it's not due to our own sinfulness, our own attitudes, our own personality. I've heard plenty of people that come up and say, you know, I'm so persecuted for Christ where I work. And the reality is, no, you're persecuted because of your personality. Okay. Probably very little of it has to do with Christ. Make certain that it's Christ that's shining through and not your pride not your arrogance, because when Christ shines through, there's a humility, there's a heart of service, and a great heart of love and compassion, even for the lost. Even as we shared about that pastor in northern Nigeria, they killed his son, and even at that, he says, yet I can't help but love them, because they don't know any better, they don't know any difference. And the knowledge that Christ died, even for them, 
ought to impact our lives in how we treat those even that might persecute us. Peter says, let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters. Paul's telling us we need to be an example of godliness even in a godless culture. Above all people, we ought to be the ones who stand apart and stand out again from, from all the sinfulness and all the darkness that's, that's, that's shown all around us. We as believers in Jesus Christ should never be the ones who could be rightly and correctly accused of being involved in the works of darkness. Peter, we, we looked at that earlier on. Hey, you know, we, we've lived that life long enough. Now it's time to live our lives for Christ. We're children of the light, and we need to continually be walking in that light. Now, one of the things, I don't know if you noticed this, but it jumped out really big to me as I've read this passage even in the past. Peter says that none of you should suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer. And then right along with that mixture of murder and thief, he puts, or as a busybody in other people's matters. <laughs> well, I'm not a murderer and I'm not a thief. Uh, doesn't that count for something? But he even says for us, in essence, to mind your own business and to get out of other people's business. And again, when, when we looked at that, that, that word that's translated as busybody, it's actually not found any other place in Scripture. In all of Scripture, it's, ne- it's not there. As a matter of fact, most commentators say that we really think that Peter kind of coined that word, okay? That, that he put, it's a, it's a compound Greek word, and it's a nice, long word. I'm going to try and say it. Alotri episkopos. Alotri episkopos. Two different words joined together. The second word may be familiar to some of you, episkopos. Episkopos is the word that we translate as bishop or overseer. But it's that first portion of that compound word that really brings it together, alatrios. Alatrios, it carries with it that meaning of another's, somebody else's. It's not your own, it's it's foreign or it's a stranger's. The direct understanding or meaning of a Latri Episcopos is an inspector of strange things or the things of another. It would appear that in the context of what Peter is writing, it has the meaning of one who is a meddler in other men's business, one who spies out the affairs of someone else. A.T. Barnes, a uh, commentator, writes these words about that word. He says it's one who busies himself with what does not concern him. That is one who pries into the affairs of another, who attempts to control or direct them as if they were his own. And Peter says, that's not how we ought to live our lives. And if we're living our lives like that, yeah, we're going to be persecuted. Now, when we put that in the context of all that Peter is speaking there, we desiring to live our lives godly, desiring to live our lives in righteousness. He says, in doing that, make sure that your persecution isn't because you, as a believer, are so meddling and so involved in somebody else's business. How do I do that and still maintain a witness and testimony to those that I love?
Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter, reminding us through this letter that persecution comes to every follower of Jesus. The encouragement to keep strong in faith in those times of trial is also a challenge, though. Instead of complaining, turn to Jesus. Instead of shrinking from the hard questions, embrace them with truth. Walking in faith and with hope isn't an easy task, but Jesus has promised to walk with us and give us the words we need to speak. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word, and we hope you're leaving us today feeling stronger in your faith. Before we close our time with you today, though, Pastor David would like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. You know I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for being a part of our time here today. Pastor David will return soon to continue studying 1 Peter right here on The Open Word.